Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Walters would love to host your next event. Go to waltersdc.com and click on private events to get in touch with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nationals 5, Rockies 3. The 0-2. Inside, low to the backstop. Here comes Call to the plate, and he will score. So two bases loaded, walks, and a wild pitch. And it's 6-3 Nationals. A complete meltdown by Brad Hand. There goes Tovar. Here's the pitch. Swinging up. Line drive, base hit, center field. This game's tied. Diaz to the plate. Tovar to third as Robles plays it in. The Rockies have rallied to tie the Nationals for the third time today. It is 6-6 on this Coors Field seesaw. It'll be a 3-1. Harris deals it. And he walked him. Fastball high. And the Rockies lead. Tolvar scores. It's 7-6 Colorado. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, April 10th. 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Coors Field, a Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, as we discussed on the last installment of the podcast, the Nats in their 7-6 win at the Colorado Rockies on Saturday night nearly blew a big lead. Did not blow the big lead, but nearly did that. The Nats gave up four runs in the bottom of the ninth and nearly blowing a 7-2 ninth inning lead. Well, the Nats on Sunday did blow a lead of significance, gave up four runs in the bottom of the sixth inning. The Nats' two-game winning streak came to an end, a 7-6 loss off the 7-6 win. The Nats now are 3-7. and They ended up splitting this four-game series at the Rockies. You know, Mark, the first game of this series, and the first game feels like it was about 10 years ago now, but the first game of this series, a one nothing Nats loss. The final three games of the series, much more along the lines of what we have come to expect at Coors Field. Yeah, these were definitely Coors Field games, Al. And the most shocking thing to me about this game was that after six innings, it's seven to six. And I know bullpen had all kinds of issues there and turning a lead into a deficit, but I could not believe that nothing else happened the rest of the way. I was fully expecting there to be a lot more offense for both sides before it was all said and done. And I thought this was going to be one of those wild games that's deciding the ninth inning. And it actually wasn't. That shocked me after seeing enough games here and certainly the last couple of nights, I just assumed that was a given. And instead, both lineups shut down the final three innings and the Nats end up losing 7-6 in a game that 
I would have thought would be much higher scoring than that, to be honest. Certainly had the feel. I mean, the sixth inning alone, the Nats scored three runs in the top of the sixth. The Rockies score four runs in the bottom of the sixth. And you feel like, okay, here we go. But yeah, the rest of the game, we ended up having really not much going on. So the Nats in this game blow a 6-3, six-inning lead, give up the four runs in that bottom of the sixth inning. I mean, it's so odd. You know, the Nats now three and seven. They, over their first seven games of this regular season, total 17 runs. The Nats over the final three games of this series total 23 runs. So like, Overall, the offense came alive over these last three games. Overall, the starting pitching in this series was acceptable. And, you know, the bullpen, I mean, there were plenty of relief outings that were good, if not very good. But just the bad really ended up being bad, especially in this game. Erasmo Ramirez was bad for a second time in three games. He in a four-run Rocky six got charged with two runs, but there was a lot more to his outing than just that. He gave up three hits. He got just two outs. Came into the game, bottom of the sixth, runners on second and third, nobody out, and the Nats nursing a 6-3 lead. He induced an RBI ground out by Yonatan Daza, then gave up a one-out RBI double by Elias Diaz to a wide-open center field. Center fielder Victor Robles was playing toward right center, and uh, that ended up not being the way to go. Uh, Ramirez then gave up a one-out infield single by Ezekiel Tovar on a grounder on which shortstop C.J. Abrams made a really nice running and spinning catch of the grounder up the middle. Ramirez then struck out Jerickson Profar on three pitches for the second out, but then gave up a two-out full count RBI single by Charlie Blackman to center field to tie the game at six. And then Ramirez issued a two-out first pitch hit-by-pitch of Chris Bryant to load the bases. I mean, you say to yourself, what is going on here? Uh, Davey Martinez pulled Erasmo Ramirez from the game. And, you know, Hobie Harris came into the game, did a pretty good job getting the Nats out of that. He then pitched pretty well over the final two innings of the game. But the bullpen ended up blowing this thing. And, you know, what could have been a win, what could have been a series win, Nats could have taken three out of four in this series. Uh, That ends up not happening. And, well, I guess you can't put it all on the bullpen. You know, the bullpen clearly did not do its job in this game. Well, here's how I look at this. This was the domino effect of the previous two nights, okay? You had a scenario in which, as we found out after the fact, I had a hunch at least some of this was true. I didn't know all of it would be true. Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards, and Hunter Harvey all unavailable after pitching the previous two nights. And I think Davey wanted to stay away from Mason Thompson as well, although Thompson was actually warming up in the uh, top of the ninth, just in case they came back and tied it or took the lead. So he actually would have been the closer in this game. So you've got essentially your entire A bullpen unavailable to you. Now, what does that also mean? That means, and I think we speculated last night this might happen, Chad Cool was going to have to be forced to go a little longer than maybe they would have. And I asked Davey after the game, if you have your normal bullpen available to you, would you have just pulled Chad Cool after five innings? And Davey said, yeah, probably so. So now you have him try to start the sixth inning. He faces two batters, doesn't get either of them out. Now you go to Erasmo. We saw him struggle the other day. He has not been right so far this year. Maybe we're finding out that last year was the mirage a little bit. He was outstanding for them last year, has not looked the same this year. And then you might have pulled him sooner as things are falling apart in the inning, but your option after that was Hobie Harris in his third big league appearance. And he ends up putting him in with the bases loaded. So it's a tough spot to ask of him anyways. So I think this was a domino effect of everything that had happened the previous few days. And it shows you what happens. You play a four-game series at Coors Field. It's almost impossible for your pitching to hold up the entire time. I thought for the most part, they did an admirable job of it. Like you said, there were some very good relief appearances in this series. 
But in the end, it's just too much to ask to get all of them to be that good. And so that's why I almost would have rather seen them score some more runs. I know it's weird to say that on a day you scored six runs that the offense wasn't good enough, but in this ballpark, maybe it wasn't good enough. Well, it's odd. The Nats in this game scored the six runs, had only eight hits. All of them were singles. I mean, this was a weirdo offensive game. Eight singles to go with six walks. That was good. But, you know, the Nats advanced runners in other ways. The Rockies' defense in this series was really bad. The Rockies are not an impressive team. You know, it is hard to know what to take from this series, A, because of the house of mirrors that is Coors Field, but B, because, you know, the Rockies, I don't think, are very good, certainly not from a run prevention standpoint, you know, pitching and defense. So just to reiterate that, so that is key. Finnegan, Harvey, and Edwards all unavailable on Sunday. That's a big deal. I mean, you know, you think about this bullpen. Yes, the Nats starting pitching in each of the first three games of this series was good, but the bullpen has been leaned on a lot, and it it is operating on fumes to a degree here. I mean, it's easy to kind of lose sight of this. The Nats have not had an off day this month, haven't had an off day since March 31st. The next one isn't until this Thursday, at least the next scheduled one. So yes, it is early in the season, but, you know, Davey has been aggressive with his bullpen deployment. You know, we talked about that, you know, say a Mason Thompson on Saturday night, throwing just nine pitches, getting yanked. Normally, you applaud that kind of aggression, but when you're in the midst of a stretch like this, with a team like this, you know, I wonder if Davey is going to start trying to push relievers a little more in game so that he's not regularly using, you know, three, four, five relievers game in, game out. Yeah, it's tricky. It's a catch-22 of types because you're saying, hey, we have a chance to win a game. We have to take advantage of every opportunity we get to win a game. So you want to use your best options, as many of them as you need, but that then maybe leaves you the next day in a position like they were for this one. Now, if Mason Thompson goes multiple innings on Saturday, which we discussed is that was certainly a, an option for him, only went nine pitches, that means he's not available probably for this one. And had they come back or had they had the ability to win this game in the ninth inning, it probably would have been Mason Thompson on the mound. So now who else do you turn to? Well, maybe Carl Edwards wouldn't have been needed, whatever. So it's a chess match and it's putting together pieces of a puzzle. And it's not just about today. It's about what happened yesterday. It's about what you need for tomorrow. It is unfortunate. There's no off day here. You got three games now at Anaheim against, as we know, the potentially very good Angels team, although they never seem to live up to what they're supposed to be. You need quality starting pitching to get through it. And then maybe what you have to do is say, okay, today, these are the guys we're going to use out of the bullpen, even if it means multiple innings, and then they won't be available tomorrow. And then we're going to use the other guys tomorrow. Maybe that's what you have to do. But I can't necessarily fault him for saying, hey, they had two opportunities to win games. They went for it. They won both those games. And now you get to the finale and you're sort of out of arms. Yeah. And ultimately, this isn't about Davies' bullpen management as much as it is about guys getting outs and not getting those outs. I mean, Anthony Bonda and Carl Edwards on Saturday night in the bottom of the ninth, combining to allow four runs, combining for 44 pitches, like you got to do better than that. You're up 7-2. You got to be better than that. And, you know, even to a lesser degree, Erasmo Ramirez in this game, I mean, he was arguably the Nationals' most impressive pitcher last season, at least in terms of results. You know, but he is a reliever. We know how it is with these guys. They are fickle. They are year to year. And he is not off uh, to a particularly good start this season. I will say this with Hobie Harris. You know, first of all, right, rookie comes into the game, bottom of the sixth, bases loaded, two outs, game tied at six at Coors Field. Like, hey, welcome to the party, pal. Uh, he, to the first battery, faced, issued a bases loaded walk, Orion McMahon. 
That was the tie-breaking run. Rockies go up 7-6. But Harris did then get Mike Moustakis to ground out with the bases loaded, then tossed a perfect bottom of the seventh, scoreless bottom of the eighth. So that actually was pretty good. Like, it, you know, you didn't know what to think. Harris comes into the game. Maybe this thing gets blown wide open. Harris actually did a pretty good job of keeping the Nats in the game. And to your point, the offense uh, wasn't able to do much of anything in the latter innings. Right. Yeah, I, I think actually you do. I know you're never going to say, hey, it's a good outing when you come in and walk in the eventual winning run. But that's a really tough spot for him to be in as a rookie in his second week in the big leagues. And he did a very nice job then to shrug that off and go and get the rest of the outs that were needed and allow them not to have to go to any other relievers so that maybe somebody else is available tomorrow who, who may have had to pitch this game instead. I want to go back also. You mentioned the Elias Diaz double. It's, it's hard to call it that. It was a fly ball to straightaway center field. Ramirez ready. Outside target. He deals. Swing a line drive to straightaway center. Robles from right center is not going to get there. And this one is by him. He'll pick it up on the warning track. Watching it before he even got the hit, we all noticed this. Robles is shaded. I don't think I've ever seen a center fielder shaded that far over into right center. It was legitimately right center field, not just like center, right center. It was all the way to right center. And I'm thinking, what's up with that? What's the reasoning behind it? And then sure enough, you get a routine ball. If he's standing in his normal position, he doesn't have to move a muscle. That ball is right at him. And that could have changed the complexion of the entire inning. So I was curious afterwards to find out you know, what was really going on there. And I thought it was interesting. Both Davey Martinez and Erasmo Ramirez were highly complimentary of Robles, that he did that himself. He was shaded anyways, but he kept going further. He was reading the swings off of Diaz's bat. He moved over there. You know, I, I thought it was pretty smart of him. Um, like I said, it was just a hanging breaking ball. If he throws him another fastball, he was going to hit the ball there. And, you know, so, uh, you know, I like the fact that Vic is thinking. He had seen him all weekend trying to go the other way with almost everything. Now, I know he pulled a home run earlier in the game, but in that at bat, he was fouling pitches off to the right side. He felt like with a runner in scoring position, he's just trying to hit the ball to right field and drive him in. So they all applauded Robles for the brains to move himself into that spot. And it was Erasmo who was kicking himself for not making the right pitch there and giving Diaz something that he could, you know, get to and actually not pull it because it was straight away, but not have to go the other way. The pitcher was supposed to be much farther outside. It didn't get outside enough. So I thought that was interesting. I'm sure everybody watching that was like, wait, where is the center fielder? Why isn't he where he's supposed to be? In this case, they're saying right thought process, wrong result. Well, and I also would say this. I mean, ultimately, can't the dugout communicate to Robles if the dugout doesn't want Robles positioning himself, say, in right center as opposed to center? Like, I mean, good for Victor for doing that. But, you know, to me, it ultimately falls back on Davey and his staff. Like, if they see Robles shifting to some place where they don't want Robles, then they should be able to communicate to him, hey, get back to where you normally are. And presumably that did not happen. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of like when a hitter hits a ball to where people aren't in a shift. Like, the process was sound. The result was unfortunate. That's how I kind of look at that. I mean, if Robles did as his teammates wanted him to do, the dugout didn't tell Robles not to do it. So presumably there was thought, you know, maybe even data behind what he did. And, you know, it just didn't work out. I mean, that does happen. Yeah. It's just hard to see that. I don't know if I've ever seen that. A ball straight to center field just fall in in a big moment in a game like that. I, you know, I do wonder if he had been 10 feet closer, maybe he's got a chance still to make that catch and it wouldn't have really 
impacted his ability to make a play in right center. But again, I'm telling you what they all said in the locker room afterwards. They had no problem with it. Not not just no problem with it, but they applauded him for thinking to do that based on what he was seeing throughout the game and the whole weekend. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you got to get outs. And Ramirez is not getting outs. You know, he did not generate a lot of strikeouts last season, even with his great results. He does give up a lot of contact. And we saw that contact in this game. And I mean, again, I mean, I go back to that hit by pitch of Chris Bryant. I mean, the game is falling apart. And then on the first pitch to Bryant, <laughs> Erasmo hits Bryant with a pitch. You're like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? So it just, uh, it was not his game. It was not his weekend for sure. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Everyone loves a smart investment, especially right now. And there is no better place to put your money right now than in your home. If your home is 20 years old or older, Window Nation has the perfect offer for you. Get 0% financing for five years. This is unheard of. Zero interest for five years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Protect and increase the value of your home today. Get this special deal. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. You can save up to 30% on your energy bills. You can increase the value of your home by up to $12,000 and you can pay zero interest for five years and get two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And this goes for any style of window from Window Nation. There is no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and then save thousands of dollars on your energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, zero interest for five years plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Third baseman playing up even with a bag. Montero shallow for Robles. Runner first goal, swinging a ground ball through the vacated position into right center field, a base hit. Garrett scores from third, and speeding on to third is Ildemaro Vargas. Victor Robles hit it hard on the ground to the right side with a second baseman breaking to cover the bag with a runner going and has himself an RBI single. He drives in his third run of the year, and the Nationals are on top here in Colorado. Here in the top of the second with two out runners on the corners. The Nats one and the Rockies nothing. With Victor Robles, you know, how about what this guy is doing? And it's not just what he's doing, it's how he is doing what he is doing. Victor Robles had himself another really nice series, and we had another instance of good, smart, fundamentally sound baseball from Victor Robles in this game. So he on Sunday as an ads number nine batter, two for four with an RBI single and another single, each single an opposite field single. Robles in an ads two run second, a two out opposite field RBI single through the right side of the infield for a one nothing Nats lead. Now, it looked like a hit and run. Kevin Franzen on Masson made it a point to say that that was not a hit and run. But then listening to Davey Martinez's postgame session with you guys, Davey got asked about it as if it was a hit and run and didn't say that it wasn't a hit and run. So whatever the case, it looked like a hit and run and Robles came through. And then Victor and the Nats three run sixth, a one out first pitch, opposite field single through the right side of the infield. He is using all portions of the field. He now, in this regular season, has a batting average of 387 and an on-base percentage of 472. Of course, there is the caveat of small sample size, but man, he has been a real bright spot for the Nats so far. Well, and it's, like you said, the numbers are great, don't get me wrong, but to me, it's about the way he is executing almost flawlessly at all of these fundamental things that over the last several years... You just shake your head. It drives you crazy when he doesn't do it. It was a hit and run. I don't know what Franny was watching. Maybe he thought he saw something different, but it was a a called hit and run, and he executed that to perfection. The safety squeeze the previous night, which wound up being the difference in the game because they won by one run, perfectly executed on the first pitch. He didn't foul one off. He didn't take a strike. He got it down on the first pitch. His decisions in the outfield have been very good, whether to throw, whether not to throw. Discipline to plate has been there. Now, most of the offensive success has come against lefties. We still need to see him do it more against righties. They've they've faced a bunch of lefties so far this season. So let's see. But it's hard not to look at this and say something is clicking there at last for him. He calls it focus. That's what he keeps, the word he keeps using to describe what he's doing differently in the past. He's just staying focused on everything and every moment. Good for him for doing that. Of course, it's 10 games and that's not enough to declare anything, but we saw signs of it in spring training and he's doing it now to begin the season. And if he can continue doing this, wow, what a difference and what an unexpected delight that would be if Victor Robles turns into something more like the player that they always believed he could be. 
He doesn't need to hit like Mike Trout. No one is asking him to hit like Mike Trout. He just can't be the like double negative as an offensive player as he had been these last three seasons. Even in 2019, when he was so good defensively, it's not like he was great offensively. He was just decent. If he can just be decent as a batter and great as a fielder, that is a really good player. And the defense has come back in recent years. He just needs to make the offense be like palatable. And so far, it's been a lot more than that. He's doing a nice job. So good to see that with Victor Robles. Uh, Stone Garrett followed up his monster game on Saturday night. Four for five, three-run homer, two doubles, and a two-run single with another nice game in this game. So he was back out there as an at-starting designated hitter as Joey Manessis for the first time this regular season got a day off. Uh, Stone was an at's number five batter on Sunday. Two for five, two singles, did strike out twice, but Garrett in that Nats two-run second, a leadoff opposite field single through the right side of the infield on an 0-2 pitch. And then Garrett in the top of the fifth, a two-out infield single on a slow chopper to the Rockies shortstop Ezekiel Tovar, despite having been down in that count at one point 0-2. There weren't many like big hits in this game, but you know, especially like with Robles and Garrett, you saw impressive things. And you know, with Stone Garrett, I mean, who knows how long this lasts for, but he obviously has an ability to hit and he certainly did hit over the final two games of this series. Yeah, and he just got under one of the ninth inning. He sent it to the warning track and left. Uh, that could have flipped the whole game if that one had gone out. Yeah, a lot of good things to like there. And uh, Davey acknowledged, look, when you do what you do on Saturday night, how do you keep him out of the lineup? You got to put him in there somewhere. So now it was a question of who gets the day off. And he decided it made most sense for Joey Manessis to get his first day off. Think about this. Manessis really played all spring, whether it was for the Nationals or Mexico in the WBC. He hasn't really looked himself yet. He's had a few moments in the last couple of days where he thought, okay, that's a better sign from him. But I think it was perfectly fine to give him this day off. We'll see what they do now because unless you're going to regularly sit uh, Manessis or Dom Smith or Alex Call, I'm not sure there is going to be a spot for Stone Garrett, but good for him for taking advantage of these opportunities. And at the very least, he's given them reason to say that they don't just need to send him back down as soon as there's time to make a move, that he could be a part of this. You know, we're ways off from this happening, but it'll be interesting to see when Corey Dickerson is healthy, what do they do? And maybe they will extend that IL stint for Corey Dickerson a bit longer and have him go on a very long rehab assignment at some point. If Call and Garrett are continuing to perform like this, no offense to Dickerson, who still could be a good player, but as we've talked about, he's not the future here. Uh, you have an opportunity to look at some guys who could be part of the future here, so you'd hate to take a bats away from them in exchange for a veteran on a one-year deal. Yeah, Corey Dickerson may be put on the Alex Avila rehab plan of 2021, which is uh, get well, just don't necessarily get well soon. How about that? Uh, you know, you mentioned Alex Cole. He ended up being the Nationals' number two batter or number one batter in all four games of this series. He was a number two batter in game one. He was a Nats leadoff batter in games two, three, and four. You know, he ended up being fairly productive. Friday night, one for four with a solo homer, a bases loaded walk, and an RBI sack fly. Saturday night, two for five, double and a single. Sunday afternoon, one for three with a single and two walks. You know, we know that there has been a lot of changing with these Davey Martinez lineups. That said, do you think it could be that Alex Call, I mean, if, <laughs> I can't believe I'm asking this question, but that Alex Call ends up being the Nats every game or at least usual number one batter, at least for the time being? If he keeps drawing walks like this and getting on base, uh, yeah, he's got eight walks now on the season, leading the team among the league leaders in that. And he's just giving them good quality plate appearances. 
you know, he's maybe not getting a ton of stuff to hit, but he's not chasing. And that's their number one thing right now that they keep telling these guys, make them throw it in the strike zone. And if they're not, take your walks. And he has done that very well. He's a good base runner. He's been solid in the field. He's even driven in some runs when he has had opportunities. He has run with this opportunity and made the most of it. Now, you know, again, it's only a few games. This isn't a guy who was highly touted. They picked him up off waivers from Cleveland last year. And we saw glimpses of him late last season that made you say, okay, maybe they got something here. But I'm not sure anybody really was looking at it as more than a fourth outfielder on this team in the long run. But he has this opportunity now where he is going to get to play a lot, potentially hit at the top of the lineup for a while. And if he continues to do this, then he can force his way into that discussion and good for him for making the most of this opportunity. I was happy to see C.J. Abrams get elevated to the number six spot. He has been better lately, but C.J. on Sunday, 0 for 5 with a strikeout. So I don't know. I feel like with Davey, that might be the last time that C.J. is out of that number nine and number eight spot for a while. We'll see. But obviously, long term, you want C.J. Abrams batting up there in that lineup. Hey, Nat Chat listeners, Tim Shovers here, producer and founder of the podcast, here to tell you about game time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to your favorites shouldn't be so stressful. That's why you should look into the game time app. It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, Game Time offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Long hold. Here it comes. Fastball line to right center field. This may get down, maybe not. Daza into a slide. He makes the catch. And the game is over. Jonathan Daza with a sliding, sprawling catch at right center field to take a hit away from C.J. Abrams. And the Rockies hold on for a 7-6 win here at Coors Field. The Nationals' starting pitcher on Sunday was Chad Cool. I mean, it was easily the worst of the four outings from Nationals' starting pitchers in this series. Although even this outing by Cool, I would say, was better than the final line indicated. And I sort of say that reluctantly because the final line was five runs in five innings. And, you know, he had a hard time throwing strikes. 90 pitches over the five innings, just 47 strikes versus 43 balls. But two of the runs scored on him came with him out of the game. Gave up six hits, two home runs, but two solo home runs. Also gave up two doubles and two singles. He did issue four walks. That was a problem. One of them was intentional. He also had a wild pitch. He recorded three strikeouts. 
He had a weird bottom of the first inning. He somehow did not allow a run in the bottom of the first, despite all kinds of things going on. A one-out infield single by Charlie Blackman, on which uh, the Nats starting second baseman on Sunday, Ildemaro Vargas, made a nice diving catch in shallow right, but also hurt his left shoulder. Cool issued a one-out walk of Chris Bryant, issued a one-out wild pitch that gave the Rockies runners on second and third. And then Cool issued a two-out intentional walk on Mike Moustakis after a pitch clock violation by Cool. All of these things happened in the bottom of the first, and yet he did not give up a run in that inning. Uh, but he did give up a run in the bottom of the second on a double, a single, and a run-scoring double play, and then gave up those two solo home runs. So, you know, I guess it was sort of the idea of the bar with a Chad Cool is lower than it is with somebody else. You know, you had a chance to win this game. He wasn't great. I don't even know if you could say that he was good, but, you know, he kept you in the game. And I suppose with a Chad Cool, that's what you're asking for. Right. And if they have a full bullpen and he's pulled after five innings, you're saying three runs in five innings. Okay. Number five starter at Coors Field, that's about all you can ask for. And so he was kind of a victim of the circumstances in needing to go back out there. Now, it didn't mean he pitched all that well. I don't think he did. That first inning was so bizarre. And how we got out of that with a zero on the board, I still don't know. I thought it was so fascinating and, and funny to see the mindset of – and we, you know, we haven't seen anything like this in the history of baseball. You get a pitch clock violation that turns a 2-1 count into a 3-1 count. First base is open. So what do they do? Just go ahead and put four fingers up, let him take the base. I think that's probably the right move there, to be honest. But it's just so funny that this is a scenario we never could have imagined previously. And then he goes and strikes out the next batter, Montero, on three straight sliders. So they got to the better matchup. He got the Rockies third baseman, three straight pitches out of the zone. So good for him for getting out of that. But he just never really found his groove. Like you said, a lot of balls, not nearly enough strikes, home runs. He's now given up you know, two of them in his first start, two of them in this one. Yeah, they're solo, so they're not hugely damaging. But I guess I would just say so far he's pitching like a number five starter and that's what he is. And that's okay. He's not Kate Cavalli, who this was supposed to be, which is unfortunate. But if he gives them five innings and gives them a chance to win every time he takes the mound, then that's fine. He's done his job. You know, the reasons that they lost this game, I would say, are not because of Chad Cool. I think it had to do with a lot of other factors. I think what's interesting, too, with what happened with Mike Moustakis is you could argue that that actually was a win for the Nats in that the bat was taken out of Moustakis's hand and that because of the pitch clock violation, the Nats opted to go with the intentional walk. And so Moustakis ended up not getting an opportunity to do what, you know, someone like a Mike Moustakis can do, which is, you know, hit for power. I mean, you think about this upcoming series at the Angels, let's say a similar predicament takes place with, you know, a Mike Trout or a Shohei Otani batting. Like, that's actually a win for the Nats if you avoid the guy swinging. So it's just kind of uh, quirky how that can work out. So the Nationals in the midst of this uh, seven-game trip out West, three and seven on the season. Next up is this three-game series at the Angels. Game one, Monday night, 938, Patrick Corbin is the starting pitcher. Game two, Tuesday night, 938. Josiah Gray versus Shohei Otani is your pitching matchup. And then game three, Wednesday afternoon, 407. Mackenzie Gore will be the Nats starting pitcher. We said it. I mean, no off day since the 31st. You know, if you're the Nats, this is one of those situations where you're just trying to get through this series and hoping like heck you get some length from your starting pitchers. All things considered, this series at the Rockies could have been a lot worse. It was a wild series. You know, it's a draining series. I mean, we feel drained talking about it. I can only imagine how the Nationals feel, but they're going to have to find a way to plow through three games at a team of the Angels that, like you said, perennial underachievers, but nobody ever denies the talent on this team. And, you know, for a team like the Nats, this could be a difficult matchup. 
Yeah, it absolutely could for this pitching staff against those big names. And Anthony Rendon will be in the lineup as well. He has served his suspension. He's back now. Yeah, they need length. They need Corbin to give them a chance. And then you hope that what we saw these last few times out from Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore can continue. I'm really interested to see how those two guys face that lineup in that setting. That's going to be fun and you hope productive and you hope you come out of this saying, okay, Mackenzie Gore does look like the real deal. Josiah Gray does look like he can do this against good hitters. You know, We'll see how that plays out. But back to the Rocky series real quick. Yet you come out of it two and two and you say, okay, they survived it. They did all right. They really could have won three, if not all four. The two losses were by one run. They didn't score at all on Thursday. This was a game that was certainly there for the taking. You know, I'm never going to say it's a, a bad series to go two out of four against anybody, certainly in a ballpark like this, but it did feel like there was a real opportunity there to take three of four and go to Anaheim feeling pretty good about yourself after that rough first week of the season. Now, I, I don't know. At this point, we've seen the Braves and the Rays, who are probably two of the best teams in baseball, clearly superior to the Nationals. And we've seen the Rockies, probably one of the worst teams in baseball. And I thought the Nats were the superior team in this series. Now you face a team that's maybe somewhere in the middle, the Angels. Maybe this will be our first real indication of where the Nats are in terms of how much they've improved or not. I think it's kind of hard to say 10 games in just based on the competition they faced. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast. Email Tim Shovers at NatsChatPodcast.com at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Nats Chat Podcast. You can get yourself or someone who you know a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A salute to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com and Newmark is spelled N-E-U-M-A-R-K. We have survived four games at Coors Field. Next up, this big three-game series at the Angels. We thank you for listening. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. A one pitch to Elijah Green. Line drive. Base hit into left field. Happy Easter. A fit dad. Walk off winner. Elijah Green puts an exclamation point on a phenomenal weekend. And the Fred Nats win the series.